0: but mighty through God to the pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of God of Christ I want you to look at that your neighbor and say now that's powerful look at your neighbor and say that's good stuff stuff. that's good stuff I want you to tell one more person I think I'm going to try that in my life (laughs) instead of just amending it I think I'm going to actually put it in practice in my life I think I'm just going to try it and see what happens (laughs) well I'm going to I titled this a little bit negative it's going to turn positive but I just felt like titling this to make a very strong point point. and the title is simply this the cost of an undisciplined mind you say oh it don't hurt me it can't touch me it can't affect me my friend there is a cost an undisciplined mind. Let's pray together. Father, we ask you in the name of the Lord, I loose the authority, the anointing, and the power. I loose revelation in this house. I release the authority of heaven to reach into every man, woman, and even child and let the power of God manifest in their life. I lose Luke 24, 42 and he opened their understanding. I loose understanding in a way that people have never received before. I loose the promises and the prophetic utterances of the word of God. Let them manifest in this house and let them come to full fulfillment. In the name of the most high God, we pray. Oh, would you clap your hands one more time? (laughs) You may be seated. We look around this world and I think it was pretty clear that everything's kind of messed up just a little bit. I mean, just look at the amount of liquor stores and cannabis stores and Uh, different houses where people go to to just escape from this world can't handle the world because it's so messed up so why is it so messed up well this is the world that humans gave each other isn't it wonderful (laughs) you don't have to answer that question because we all know that that was sarcasm um It's amazing to me that even in the middle of this messed up world that we've all been a part of, we've all been a part of messing it up. I mean, have you ever lied, cheated, stole, uh, slandered? Have you ever, I don't know, have you ever been mad while you are driving at another driver? You know, we all have tendencies of making decisions that just are contrary to that natural love of God that God always uh, embodies and Obviously, he calls us to embody it as well. But we we fall far short of it, don't we? But even in the middle of this chaotic world, this fallen world, this, this world where sin abounds, God is reaching for people that can have a voice or can have an ear and can hear his voice. A person or a people that understands, you know what, there's some promises that God has given me. I want you to know this morning... I don't know where your background is or what brought you to this service this morning, but God wants you to know this morning that He has promises for your life. That even though sometimes you feel the frustration of this world, and maybe even frustration, you've cried out, God, why? I don't even want to live. Why does this world, why is it so hard? I want you to know, even in the middle of that, God is reaching with a nail-scarred hand and he's pointing directly at you, and he is saying, God has a promise for Your life. You got to hear it. You got to believe it. You know, there's just many promises in the Bible, and I just would throw out a few. It says, Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I mean, that's a powerful scripture. You shall receive power. I quoted this earlier after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I mean, that's a powerful promise. I'm tired of being weak and, uh, and unable to do anything. I need that power. And God said, you can have it through my spirit. You can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. And we could go on. I love this in Deuteronomy 28 and 13 it says and and the Lord shall make you the head and not the tail you shall be above and not beneath. This are the promises of God. He said I made you and I molded you. You're made in my image and I've got a purpose and a destiny for you and in the middle of a chaotic life I've got promises that if you will cling on to you can have them. You can have everything God promised you because God is not a liar. He will not lie to you. He will not play with you. If you want it, you can have it. If God said it, that's it. You just gotta believe. You just gotta believe. I know there's a lot of Bible students in this in this room. So, how many promises of God are in the Bible? How many? Pro- I wondered this, so I started to count them, and there's a lot. So I gave up, and I just googled it. <laughs> So I don't know if it's right or not, but Dr. Evan R. Storm from Ontario said he's counted them all. And he said there are 7,487 promises of God to mankind. I mean, that is a lot of promises. 7,487 promises from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelations. And God has many, many very specific promises listed for you. Grab a hold of them. In fact, in the New Testament alone, there are 750 specific promises of power and of heaven that God wants us to to grab a hold of. Maybe 7,000 is too many for us to remember. Maybe over 7,000 is too much for us to stand upon. But then he said, I'm just going to give you the most important ones. I want to give you 750 and I want you to grab on to them. I want you to hold on to them. I want you to never let them go. I want you to understand that I want to a cross to release these promises into your life. I want you to, to believe me and trust me and hold on to them because I didn't say these things in vain. Somebody hear me." me my friend somebody's gonna hold on to the promises somebody's gonna grab them somebody's gonna attain them and the lord is saying it might as well be you grab them they're yours whosoever will whoever wants them they're there now here's a personal question has god ever given you a promise I know we're sitting in a church full of people where God has spoken through dreams and visions and songs and anointed words and a spoken word by a preacher. I want you to understand this morning God has given you many words that mountains are going to be cast in the sea and that there's going to be rivers that are going to sprout up in the desert and the troubled storms are going to be stilled and there's going to be healing and there's going to be provision and your God's got his, a divine future in his work for your life. You say my life's Messed up, but God has spoken. Follow me, trust me, and I will do all of these things in your life if you can just believe. You see, I feel like we're in a season where the windows of heaven have opened up, my friends. The seasons are uh, with fall, winter, spring, and summer, and in the spirit that the, the seasons operate the same way in the life of churches and the life of people. And in this church, God has opened up His window. We're in a season of spring where there are things budding in the spirit all around. There are things opening up that may be like dormant maybe a few months ago. And God has spoken very, very clearly to some of you. God has some rekindled some things. He had reminded you of some things. Some dreams that you had forgotten about. Some words that were left dormant long time ago. God has spoken. He's rekindled them. He's put them back in your mind. He's restored them. And He's saying, I want you to grab a hold of them and don't ever let go of them again. This is not just a one-touch wonder where God wants to come in your life and sprinkle some fairy dust on you and then you go back to your old life. No, this is transformation where God... God says I've given you promises because in the promises are new identity and in the new identity is the calling and in the calling is the purpose and in the purpose is the divine will and God has his hand on you because he doesn't want to just touch you for the second he wants to transform you for eternity if you believe that clap your hands (laughs) you see we as a church have stepped into the river the flow from the beginning of this year when we had a three-night prayer meeting where God said, there's a river that's going to flow through this city. It's going to start at the double bridges and it's going to flood into every business, Joe, and every street, every home. It's going to dominate and touch Katusa. I want to tell you something. God's heartbeat is for a revival in this city. God's heartbeat is a sea Uh, you may live in another city and I'm not saying he's not he doesn't want the revival in your city. But I just know what God wants for the city. God wants revival. God wants to turn this thing upside down in the city. This, this city have been known for drugs and witchcraft and uh, the casino and gambling and all kinds of negative things. And God said, but I put my name in that city and I'm going to have revival. I sent I sent Bishop Doherty and, and, and Sister Doherty to this city 30 some years ago. And I want you to know this, that God's heartbeat hasn't changed from the moment they want, they step foot. in this city. God said there's going to be a church. There's going to be an apostolic harvest. There's going to be people that walk in power. There's going to be those that are connected to my promises and we're going to see what only God can do. Brother Tanner God gave him a vision. He said when I was praying he said God opened my eyes and I saw Catoosa football stadium and it was full of hungry souls. And there was such a power and a demonstration of the Spirit that we had to hold Miracle Sunday in the, in the football stadium in Katusa. I want to tell you that's not a beam dream. He didn't just think that up. This is the heartbeat of God. God said, "I want to reach for a hunger, every hungry soul, every man and woman, everyone that's broken under drugs and addictions, everyone that doesn't know where to turn, everyone that feels bound by the pressures of life." God is saying, "I'm calling them, and I'm going to give." them deliverance through my name and through the power of the Holy Ghost. But we've stepped into the river and God has restored many things. And if you personally stepped in the river, God has restored things in your life. Maybe you haven't been here this morning or until this morning. Well, I want you to know there's a river of heaven open and you can step in this morning. You're in the right place. You see, God has spoken. He's given us some profound promises and some profound moments. I think we're going to do a prayer meeting uh, one night and obviously we're doing prayer meeting tonight but we're not going to do this specific thing but I think we're going to do a prayer meeting pretty soon. Uh, Sister Jean had this idea and we're going to just allow people to testify what God did, what God spoke to them. and. And, and and so when you get that moment, you say it in faith, and you 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 lift up the church with the things that God has done. Because it's everywhere I turn, there's an answer to prayer. Everywhere I turn, God is moving. Everywhere I turn, there's something dynamically happening. I mean, thirty-one miracles. Thirty-one people raised their hand last Sunday morning and said, "I was healed." Thirty-one people. This is not this is not something that we just let go and forget about. Ten people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I want you to know and one was covenant relationship tori when you went down in the name of jesus i want you to know tori everything was put under the blood i don't care what your week looks like i don't care what's come against you everything was put under the blood and the devil cannot go through the blood he can't do it because victory victory belongs to those that are in covenant with god oh clap your hands So I want to turn to Matthew 13 and 21. You say, Pastor, all this is so good, so why the title? (laughs) Why the cost of an undisciplined mind? Well, let's look at Matthew 13 and 24. There's a parable here. Jesus is speaking. He says, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which soweth Good seed in the field. Everyone say good seed. I mean, that's good stuff. There's life in that seed. There's promises in the seed. There's potential in the seed. There's new life and new possibilities that are going to bud forth from the seed. I mean, this is good seed. And, and the man put the good seed in the ground. Verse 25. But while men slept, his enemy came. And he sowed tears among the wheat and went his way. See, what Jesus did is he wants you to understand spiritual depth. And so he says, let me take something that you can comprehend to teach you about the kingdom of heaven. So maybe we can all understand how a farmer sows the ground and puts a seed in. But the Lord is saying, I don't want you just to see... The farmer and the seed. I want you to see the spiritual implication and what God is saying here. So, Jesus is the man, he sows the good seed. I mean, this is His voice. This is the divine will. This is the divine purpose. This is His truth. He's speaking to you. He's, he's given you visions. He's given you dreams. He's, he's manifesting His revelations in your life. You're receiving things from God, and, and it's, it's transformational. It's powerful. I mean, some of you, I've looked upon you and I've seen the glory of God shining on your face. God's been working in your life, the seed's been sown. Verse 19, I didn't read it, but Jesus says the first thing that the enemy will try to do is he'll try to steal the seed from your heart. I mean, as soon as the preacher is going to say the very thing that you need to hear, you know, something dings on your phone. And you miss that one thing. As soon as the word of God hits you, he tries to lie to you and say, that's not for you. That's for someone else. As soon as the power of God begins to flow, and you feel the anointing of God and the and the moving of God, or you begin to you begin to say, No, I'm not that's not me, I'm not emotional. I'm gonna cut this out right now. <laughs> we stop the flow, we stop the that's what he wants to do. He wants to steal the word. But my friend, he hasn't been able to do that here lately. And so when that doesn't work, he's got a second kind of uh, attack that he uses and this is more subtle the bible says while men slept or in other words he comes in the night in the darkness when no one's watching he sneaks in he's very subtle he's not going to make a lot of noise you don't even know he came you weren't even aware of him and yet he came and why did he come well if he can't steal the good word then he's going to sow tears. What is this? This is a bad seed. He's going to sow a seed that looks like the wheat. Oh, it looks like the good seed. I mean, if you laid them side by side, you couldn't tell the difference. Oh, yeah. But the problem is, these bad seeds called tears, they can produce nothing. There's no life within. There's nothing that's going to bud forth. There's no future. There, there's no harvest. There's nothing, and so it looks like it's something good, but in reality, it is nothing. It's just a, it's a false. Uh, you know, it's like when you believe on something, it just lets you down because here, you, here the tears are going to be planted in your life, and he wants you to grab onto the bad seed. This is the enemy's hope, and so you get all puffed up and all, all trusting, and then you're just fillet, you're de- deflated, and then when you're deflated he'll come back to you and say yeah god did this to you look what god did his words are lies aren't they that's what he'll say don't quote me on that his words are not lies so these let me tell you what the bad seed looks like it's false truths half true half lie it's flat out lies it's deception it's innocent questions Did God not say you can't eat from all the trees in the garden? See, this is what it is. Now, hear me. You have one mind. That's all you have. Now, we could be double minded, but we have one mind. And the seeds, the good seed and the bad seed, are competing for the same real estate, the same piece of ground. Which one's going to dominate the ground? Is it the seed that, this, that the the son of man, that Jesus himself uh, put in your mind? Or is it the bad seed that the enemy came and put in your mind? Which one is it? You see, this is the question. What are we going to receive? What's going to dominate that spot in our mind where the, where the seeds are planted? Is it going to dominate by the word of God? Or is it going to be dominated By the lies and the deception and false truths. I want to tell you a reality. And this is the absolute truth. You can quote me and write this down. Your perspective determines your feelings. And if you change your perspective, you will change your feeling. And this is what Gabe was talking about, seeing through the lens of faith. And as you look through the lens of faith, your feelings will back you up. Because when you change your feeling, you ch- first of all, when you change your perspective and it changes your feeling, it will literally change your identity. It will, absolutely. I want to I say something that uh, Bobby Wade said on Thursday night. You, you may or may not have been here. And you may or may not got this, but this really touched me. He said, this is how we usually operate. What we feel, then we possess. And what we possess, then we identify with. Well, on one level, if you're in the house of God and you feel the Holy Ghost, that could be uh, maybe a good process. But the problem is you're not always in the house of God, are you? And so you leave the house of God and, and you face the spirits of the world. And then all of a sudden, now you feel depression. And now you feel weakness. And now you feel like uh, it's never going to happen. And so you start possessing the lies of hell because you start feeling them when you leave the house of God. Well, I don't feel victory, Jonathan. So I must not have victory. So I, so I possess defeat. And the next thing you know is you see yourself as a defeated person. This is how it happens. But I want you to know what God has told me to tell you. God said, I have given you something extremely valuable. I have put divine promises inside of you. I have given you my word. And it's like, it's like a conception in a spiritual womb. And God is saying to this church, do not miscarry the promise. Do, let me say it again, do not miscarry the promise. You know, the life of that infant is really a lot of ways determined by the mother's choices. The mother goes out and does all kinds of things that's harmful to the infant. It's going to damage the infant. And God said, this is the same with you and the promise of God. What are you going to do with that precious life God's given you? That precious promise. What are you going to do? Are you going to love it? Are you going to take care of it? Are you going to protect it? Because God has given you something precious. I'm going to say it again. It's a treasure treasure. And he wants to bring it to full term in your life. He wants it to be birthed. And so this brings us to the scripture. Because this is where the weapon our warfare comes into, my friends. Make no mistake, you are in a battle. And the battle ultimately is the soul for your life. The battle is whether you're going to go to heaven or whether you're going to go to hell. But there's another sag battle. And it's this. Are you going to step in the promises of God? Or are you going to walk around defeated? Unable to do anything for his kingdom. And just die like the children of the... Israel did. Defeated once they came out of Israel, but they never could do anything for God. They never could possess the life God wanted for them. They never could walk in the blessings. No, no. They lived a life of complaining and bitterness and frustration. And they lied. They lived a pretty much worthless, uh, in a sense, not that they're worthless as people, but what they were doing, they were just walking in circles in a wilderness. That's pretty worthless. You know, there's no purpose to that. But that was never God's intention. God said, go to the promised land. And it was only an 11-day journey. It wasn't that far. And God is saying to this generation, it's time to go to the promised land. But the battle is going to be in the mind. Because there's going to be giants that you're going to face. There's going to be walls that you run into. There's going to be weapons that look so powerful. And there's going to be seeds That come from the enemy that are planted in the mind. And so Jesus says this through the apostle Paul. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Oh Peter you can take a sword and cut off the heir of the high priest. But that's not my kind of fighting. Jesus said if this world was my kingdom we would fight. But this world has been poisoned by sin. My world is not this, this, this earth. My world and my kingdom is the world to come. So he says, my weapons are not carnal. But they are mighty to through, through God through the pulling down of strongholds. This word stronghold could be identified like a castle. It's a castle. I don't know if you've ever been to a castle. But they're, they're mighty. They're powerful. Whoever ruled the castle ruled the region back in the day. It's any belief that you hold on to that is contrary to the the promises of God. So if God says you can be healed, there's a a castle in the mind that says you'll never be healed. I mean, the last time you got prayed for, you didn't get healed. I mean, look at so-and-so, they're not healed. And so a castle gets built up against the promises of God. A castle gets put in your mind against the will of God. A castle gets put in your mind against the the will and the word of God. And so God is saying, the battle is simply this. You must pull down the strongholds and cast them out. Verse 5, casting down the imaginations. Oh, our imaginations can help us or kill us, can't they? Oh, I can sit at home and I can imagine all the things and build up these huge stories that I tell myself. How what God did really He didn't do and what God promised, oh, how He really didn't promise. and Oh, look at what all these people are doing and look what they're saying. And all of a sudden my imagination is growing and and God is saying it's time to cast down your imagination. And every high thing, it exalted itself against the knowledge of God. What are you imagining? What word is coming to you that's directly contradicting the knowledge of God that God has given you? My friend, there is revelations that you have received that the enemy has put someone in your path to come directly 180 degrees against that word that God's given you. And God is saying this. You better cast some things down. You better pull down some stronghold. You better get it out of your mind. You better pull it down. And you better understand this is the battle you're facing. The battle's in the mind. The battle is a place called Golgotha. It's the place where Jesus Christ gave his life. It's the place of the skull. Because the Lord is saying, until you conquer the mind, you cannot conquer the promises. Until you get your mind in order, you cannot have the life that God's promised you. I'm telling you, there's a cost to an undisciplined mind. And that is not walking in the promises of God. And so what are you imagining? What thoughts are coming directly against the promises of God in your life? What thoughts are producing doubts and fears? And all of the what ifs, and then all the carnal fleshly desires. The Lord is saying this it's time to cast these thoughts down. In other words, the Lord is saying to take these thoughts and throw them like a piece of trash out of your life. They're not even worth thinking about, they're not even worth entertaining. They're only there for one reason, and that is to steal what God's trying to do in your life. He wants to put these lies and to choke out the good seed that's there. He says, don't let them affect your perspective, how you see things. Don't let these thoughts affect your thought patterns, how you think. Don't Don't let these lies affect your emotions and get yourself all stirred up. You see, my friend, the problem many people have is they cast down the wrong seed. Instead of taking these thoughts of the enemy, the seed of the enemy, and casting them in the trash, they take the promises of God and they cast them in the trash. And so you stay bound. And you say, well, pastor, I've come to the Spirit of Antioch uh, or I've come to church here for this long and I've had this many services and it's always the same. I get victory on Thursday and Friday night and back Monday, I'm bound back up. You know why? Because you're putting the wrong seed in the trash can. You see, the rest of the scripture says this. Bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Who wants a volunteer? One of you three men. Donnie, come up here. (laughs) Man, this man, this young man has been just used by God so mightily, and I'm so thankful. God's been speaking to you, hasn't he? He definitely has. And. uh Anyways, I want to use him as an example. Let's say I am a, a place, a person of authority, like a policeman, and, and I caught Donnie trying to break in my house. <laughs> what I would do is I would take, take his hands and I'd put it around his back and I would cause him to bend down to a place of submission, right? And if he was really a bad person, I'd put my knee on his back to hold him down. I want you to look at this image of Donnie. How strong is he? Not very strong. He's in a place of weakness. Why? Because I put him in a place of captivity. And this is what God is saying. You have spiritual authority. You better use it in your mind. Because if you just let, Donnie's not a thug, but I'm going to say a thug. If you let a thug just break in your house and run rampage and you hide yourself in the bathroom closet crying, Oh God, why are you allowing this to happen? My friend, I'm telling you, all you're doing is giving the spiritual authority that he's given you to the enemy. That's all you're doing. Thank you, Donnie. And so God is saying this. He didn't say, it doesn't say, if possible, bring it into captivity. It doesn't say, when you feel good, bring it into captivity. It doesn't say, well, when the anointed preacher, when Brother Robinette or Brother Wade is in Katoosa and he lay hands on you, you can bring him to captivity. No, no, no. It says that you are to bring every. Thought. Wow. Look to your neighbor and say every thought. Not every 10 thoughts. Not every few hours. He says every thought. That means as it goes through your mind, you're filtering it. And if it doesn't come into obedience of God, I'm throwing it in the trash can. If it's not through the lens of faith, I'm throwing it in the trash can. Because I'm bringing it to the obedience of Christ. The obedience of Christ. The obedience of Christ. Because the reality is this. If you don't do this, then you're going to live a roller coaster life of faith that is just going to leave you bound in frustration. There is a cost to an undisciplined mind. Oh, I'm just going to think about the lies and the doubt and all the negative emotions I feel, and I'm going to be okay. No, you're not going to be okay. Because the devil's taking a rope and he's binding you up. But I... I'm not going to let God, or excuse me, I'm not going to let the devil steal what God has birthed in my spiritual womb. No, no way, no way. My friend, it's time to change the status quo around here. It's time to change how we've been doing things. It's time to change, I'm going to tell you, every thought is going to be cast down everything's going to come in the obedience of Christ. Does it line up with God? what God has said? Does it line up with what the word of God is, is, speaks? Does it line against... No, no, no. Then I'm going to cast down that fear. I'm going to cast down that unbeliever. I'm going to cast down those nagging doubts. I'm going to cast down everything that comes against the knowledge of God because God has given me some knowledge. He's revealed some things to me. He has personally spoken to me. He's opened my eyes. He removed the scale and I'm going to bring everything uh, under the obedience of what God has given me. Clap your hands. I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go much longer. But I'm gonna say this. I got some good notes here, brother, brothers and sisters. <laughs> If you weren't here on on Saturday morning, I want to recap. We did a breakfast here. Some of you weren't here, so I want to say, I don't know if you saw Bobby Wade on Thursday night, powerful man that preached the word of God. If you didn't know it, he used to weigh over 600 pounds. He said he lost 475 pounds. The Lord showed him this, and I thought this was I felt I felt such a confirmation in the Holy Ghost. The Lord told him this. He was a very spiritual man. He knew the word of God. He could hear the voice of God. The Lord gave him a vision. There was a door. The Lord said, Bobby, I can get your head through the door, but I can't get your body through it. And until you get disciplined in your life, you're not going to walk through that door that I have set before you the Lord spoke to us very clearly. We may not have 475 pounds to lose in our lives, but we got 475 pounds of something that keeping us from going through that door. And the Lord is saying, I've opened the door and I've allowed you to look through it. And you've been so frustrated because you haven't been able to get through that door. But God is saying, there's some areas of discipline in your life that haven't been there. And because of that, you haven't been able to get through it. God has spoken to you but you have not been faithful in the things God has spoken. So until you get yourself lined up, and it starts with the mind, a disciplined mind, I think for most people, it's probably the mind. Until you get your mind lined up, God's gonna not allow you to go through the door. And I asked God why, and God said two reasons. Number one, I've opened the door to show you the door because I want to give you that. This is what the heartbeat of God is. He wants you to go through that door. But I'm not going to go let you go through that door, number one, because if you, if you are not disciplined, you don't deserve to go through that door. If you're not obedient to my word, you don't deserve it because you don't have enough faith because simply believing is what all you need to do. But the second thing God said is, I'm not going to let you go through that door because if you were to go through that door with undisciplined minds and undisciplined areas of your life, you would absolutely be devoured on the other side of that door. You absolutely would be destroyed. And so really it's God's love and mercy that keeps you from going there. My friend, I want to tell you this. There are some people in this body that are like wild olive branches. They're just going to, you know, Jesus said we're all wild olive branches, and, but we've been, we've been cut off of the wild tree and we've been, we've been grafted into the tree of life. But some people have been disconnected from their, where they came from, but they refuse to be connected to what God's doing in this church. They refuse to be connected to spiritual authority. They refuse to be connected, or maybe they don't even understand the need for it. They refuse to be connected to what God's doing in the church. Uh, they're, like, they're like a member of a body that's disconnected from the body. And so um, I'm going to tell you, where there's no submission to spiritual authority and where there's no discipline in the mind, the the result is very clear. You're going to be tossed to and fro. The scripture says, "Every wind, every doctrine. You're going to be blown around like chaff in the wind. You're going to be frustrated because you're going to put yourself in places that are going to be very destructive and very hard. If the devil's, if if the voice is saying, "Leave this church." It's not the voice of God, I can assure you of that. It's the voice of the enemy saying, get away from that fire. Get away from that anointing. Get away from that power. Get away. Go back to your weak Christian uh, mindset where you used to be. Go back to that place where, you know, nothing ever happened in services and nothing ever happened in your life. Go back to that place. My friend, don't go back to Egypt. It's not worth it. Don't go back to Egypt because there's nothing in Egypt for you. Don't you remember? Don't you remember? God heard your prayers. God answered your prayers prayers and God connected you in apostolic church because of what you prayed don't go back I'm not going back I'm never going back I'm going to the promised land because God said I can go the devil's scared to death that you're connected in apostolic church he's scared to death that you might get under apostolic authority you know what the Lord told me he said some of you uh, some people he said, have a, a real relationship with God and and the relationship is good and they're going to go to heaven. But the problem is they're never going to get in their promises because they're so disconnected of, from the moving of my spirit. God is saying, I'm moving and they're, 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 they're laying out on the... The side of the beach, and he said, My river's not, so that you can sit on the sideline. He said, I like Dave preached Wednesday night, my river's for you to jump in. He said, But my people, they love me and they're and they're good people, but they won't get in the river. They're they're content by sitting outside the river. And as long as they're disconnected from the river, they're disconnected from the promises. Because I'm gonna tell you, my friend, his promises are yes and amen. His promises they they, they move where you can't control them. The reason we don't want to a step on into the river is because then the waves take over and we're not in control and we might not just do the same old thing we used to do i mean i'm going to tell you my friend when they needed water in the water in the wilderness guess what moses said god said tell the people uh, or moses go hit my rock right go hit my rock and so this is what we do man the anointing was moving Sister Michelle was playing, and when when Sister Katie opened her mouth, the Holy Ghost fell. And so you know what we need to do, Jonathan? We need to recreate that exact same moment. Because if Sister Michelle will play and Sister Katie will sing that song, then God's going to move. And out of grace, sometimes God does. And this is what Israel thought. We We need water, hit the rock. We need water, hit the rock. We need water, hit the rock. But the problem was, that's not how God does it. God told Moses to hit the rock once. Second time they need water, he told Moses, speak to the rock. No, you don't understand. That's not how we do it. That's not, no, 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 come on, God. No, we hit the rock, God. And God is saying, how long are you going to keep me contained in this box where where you're sitting on the side of the river trying to control everything I'm trying to do? You're prophesying, but I can't be released to do it because all you ever want to do is what you know already. And God is saying, I want to take you beyond what you've ever seen, what you've ever heard, what's ever come into your mind. My promises are more powerful than anything you can comprehend or anything that any person can control. I'm telling you, God wants to release some things but you got to get in the river you got to get in the flow you got to be where God is moving and and doing and you got to believe that when you step in that river that God's going to take care of you we don't step in because we're so afraid God's not going to do it and that's the reality of it we say we believe until we don't I mean until we comes down to the moment where you got to act right Jonathan preached on that real faith real faith demands action It's like, oh, pastor, I believe. Oh, pastor, amen. Oh, pastor, great message. You get in your car, you're driving home. I just don't think God's ever going to heal me. I just don't think uh, nothing's going to change. And all those negative things are spewing out of your mouth. Where does that come from? It comes from the heart. Because, my friend, you never did believe. That's the problem. You can amen anything; doesn't mean you really believe it. You can clap your hands, you can shout, you can do anything that any other person is doing around here. Doesn't mean you really believe. See, believing is just simply mean, mean that you believe. <laughs> Man, that's hard. That's a hard revelation. You mean I got to believe the promises? But what about all the negative things I see? Well, that's where faith comes in, my friend. You see, you got to speak what you want to see until you see what you've been speaking. (sighs) You know what I want to see? I want to see the promises of God. You know what I want to see? I want to see all the things that God said we can have come to pass in this generation. You know, brother and sister Dhorty and their generation prayed and fasted for years, and they they passed it on to this generation. And God is saying, When is this generation gonna rise up and believe? There's been so much prayer and so much fasting and and, and so many years of dedication. But when are we just gonna simply understand revival's not in the future? God said, I want revival now. The miracles not tomorrow, the miracles now. Your circumstance is not gonna change someday, it's gonna change right now because God. If you can believe, all things are possible. Now, no, I thank God they didn't put a timer up for me this morning it helps me. Because every time I look at it, I just figure, you know, probably five minutes. <laughs> I'm just joking.) <laughs> I'm going to come to the end soon, but I I feel this. I feel to say this. You know, I think we've been tricked. I was talking to Brother Robinette uh, the other day, and the Lord began to speak to me. Now, you have authority over the devil. You, You understand that. If you are baptized in the name of Jesus, you are full of the Holy Ghost, you have authority over the devil. So here's the trick. Now, I'm not saying there's not a time to bind because there is. There's a time to bind. There's a time to loose. But here's the trick. The devil tries to get us all caught up in binding what he's doing. Binding the power of the devil. Focusing on what he's trying to accomplish in the city. Focusing on what he's trying to do in my family. Focusing on how he's weaving his way up in in the situation, focusing on darkness, focusing on his evil ways, focusing on these evil agendas. And there's a time to bind, so don't misquote me. But I'm gonna tell you this it doesn't have to take very long. I mean, I can bind the devil in maybe 30 seconds, it don't take me 30 minutes. The only reason it takes us 30 minutes is because he's tricking us to get focused on what's negative and what's wrong instead of the promises of God. Now, I'm going to give you scripture for this. Matthew 1 and 25, Jesus is facing the devil. He simply speaks these seven words. Hold thy peace and come out of him. That's all he said. There was no lengthy discussion about his powers or his authority. Mark 9 and 25. Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter. No more into him. You say, oh, what about the wilderness where he was tempted of the devil? Oh, that's a good one. Read it. Refresh yourself. The devil comes to him and the devil is speaking to him. But all he does is quote scripture. The only time Jesus turns and looks at Satan is in Matthew 4 and 10. And he says four words. Get thee hence Satan. That's it that's all he does and then he quotes the promises of God Jude records a conversation between Satan and the archangel that mighty warrior Michael I mean Michael's this warrior angel when he when God sends a warrior in battle when you go to the book of Daniel it's Michael that came down to fight the prince and the power of the air there but his words are simple his words are short And his words are to the point. Jude records Michael as he faces Satan himself. And Michael opens up his powerful mouth and he simply declares, The Lord rebuke you. That's it. This is what I feel. Get your eyes off what Satan's doing. If he's coming in your life, you you spend that, that 30 seconds or less to bind him and then you start declaring what god's gonna do you start you start declaring how the promises of god are going to come to pass You start saying, thus saith the Lord in your life. You hold up the word of God because you know what the Lord said to pray? He said this, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, I want you to know the devil's been cast out of heaven a long time ago, but all the promises that are in heaven, I'm gonna pray them onto the earth. I'm gonna pray them into my situation. I'm gonna pray them into my church. (laughs) Ha! <laughs> I feel the Holy Ghost. Man, this is revelation. This is power. The devil's lied to us long enough. No, 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 no. You see, instead of me waking up worried about what the devil's going to do, <laughs> I'm waking up every day and he's going to be worried about what I'm going to do. What's Pastor Matt going to declare today? What's he going to promise the loose promise today? Who's he going to pray for today? Let me tell you something. He said we're going to be the head and not the tail. We're going to be above and not beneath. He said all power in heaven belongs to me and I'm giving it to you. You shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost will come unto you. My friend, the battle is not even a battle. It's not even really with Satan. It's with your mind. Do you trust the word of God or do you not trust it. The greatest revelations are so simple. I want to end with this Revelations 22 and 1. <laughs> I know this is my third time, but third time's the charm. I really am coming to a close soon. <laughs> you guys seem so content to listen, it just encourages me. <laughs> Maybe I should have Sister Michelle come up here. This will help. (laughs) Because we're about to have a move of God in this place. You see, you, you left here last Sunday on victory, and you walked in a little bit discouraged. You've wondered why. Because the devil's come to you while you slept. And for one week long, you've been disconnected from what God's doing in your life. Revelations 22 and 1. And he showed me a pure river of water, of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. I want you to understand this. I want you to really soak these words in. The Apostle John is seeing this, it's not figurative. It's it's not a parable. He's seeing it. There's a river of life flowing out to the throne of God. I mean, powerful, powerful. Now let me tell you, the kingdom of God is going to be fulfilled in the future time. Well, God's outside of time. He works within time. And right now, the time has not come. But there is a trumpet that's going to sound. And there is going to be a transformation where the kingdom of God is placed upon this world in a physical presence. But for now, it's a spiritual kingdom. Now let me show you how this works. The kingdom of God Every parable Jesus says, he he says the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is like, is a real kingdom. But it's in spiritual form right now. So everything that is real in the kingdom of God can be manifested in a spiritual level right now. Let me say that again. Everything that is in reality in the kingdom of heaven can be activated in the spirit realm. Let me give you an example. Jesus Christ is king of the earth in his kingdom. But on a spiritual level, he's king of my heart right now. But well, we've got all of our rotten politicians and offices everywhere. I want you to know who resides here. Jesus. When he sets his throne on earth, there's going to be peace upon all the earth. Well, we know we live in a chaotic time, but I'm going to tell you, there can be peace that passes all understanding in my heart and my mind. There's no sickness in heaven. There're no going to be hospitals and doctors. And so that's why I can lay hands on the sick, and you can too, and they can recover. My friend, there's no death in heaven. There's going to be no death in the kingdom of God. And so that is why we can connect to the eternal life. And as, as the apostle Paul, Paul said, uh, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. There's no death. It's just a transformation of where we're at. I love what Jesus said. I am the resurrection and life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Sister Michelle, I really do want you to come. I I know it seemed like a joke because it will help me, I promise. (laughs) And so with that being said, the rivers that are going to come forth from the throne of God, they can be accessed on a spiritual level right now. And God is saying, get in the river. And God is saying, stay in the river. Because the river is where the power is flowing. The river, being in the river will where you have spiritual authority. Being in the river is where you can come before his throne. Stay in that river, my friend, because that's where every promise of God is for you. Stay in that river because that's where clarity of mind is. Stay in that river. That's where freedom from all the emotional yoke is. Stay in that river because that is where God and how God's going to produce the promises that come to pass in your life. I got a lot of notes here. It was three pages of this. And wow. I don't know how it turned into that. I hear the music, so I gotta wrap it up. <laughs> let me say a couple more things and then I wanna. I wanna read something. But let me read it first. Gabe Gabe mentioned it's it's a song it's called, There is a River. There is a river that flows from deep within. There is a fountain that frees the soul from sin. Come to these rivers. There is a vast supply. There is a river that shall never run dry. There came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. It fills their heart with singing and gave them peace within. It, it, the master gave this promise. The spirit will descend. And from your inner being, a river with no end. My friend, there is a river that flows from God above. There is a fountain that fills with his great love. Come to the water there is a vast supply there is a river that shall never run dry God said I'm rebirthing some things in your life come to the river protect what I've given you hold your arms around it come to the river and water the seed with that living water come to the river speak prophetically over what I've given you stand as the guardian over the promise and declare what God has said. Come to the river so the seed can grow. Come to the river so the seed can bud and birth forth. Come to the river so the promise can be birthed into existence. Come to the river as the tongues and interpretation said where angels are standing as watchtowers. Standing in watchtowers ready to avenge the enemy. Come to the river because God is ready to flex his muscles. And as the preacher said, the horse and the rider shall be cast into the river and drowned. Come to the river where God is going to enlarge your vision. Where God's going to show you the things that only he has seen. Come to the river. It's his perspective and his purpose and his callings and his destinies. Come to the river where God is going to loose many waters upon you. Come to the rivers. I want to tell you, my friend, if you keep reading the passage in Revelation 22 it says from the river grows the tree of life and from the river is the healing and from the river the curse is destroyed and from the river you see the face of God and come to the river because you're going to be marked by his name and come to the river there's no darkness only light oh stand with me this morning I could have preached this whole message By simply saying this you're doubting your promises because you haven't been in the river I'm glad you come to church but my friend you don't need this music team to come to the river when are you just going to get a hold of it where you can stand in your bedroom and declare the promises of God in your life where you can stand up in your business as my friend, brother Joe does. And pray over every person that walks in his business. Loosen the promise of God. Oh, God. We got to get rid of this dead meat see sea mentality. Where I always need someone to give me a word and pray for me. No, no, no. My friend, I've got... 7,400 promises in the Word of God that I'm going to stand for and I'm going to start declaring over your life. I'm going to be a conduit from heaven to earth and I'm releasing some things in the house of God. If you never want to be the same again, why don't you come to the front this morning? You say, but I've never been to your church before. There's got to be bold action if you believe. Just walk up here. There's a lot of people walking up here. But I promise you, you are here for a purpose. And God is calling you. Don't be a backbencher. But come to the front. Come come down here. Because faith takes action. And God's going to meet you at that moment of faith. I'm telling you, God's going to meet you down here. Because he knows it takes a lot of bravery to walk down to this front. But God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. I want you to know this morning. I'm filled in the Holy Ghost. I'm not going back. I'm never going back. I don't have to go back. I've got some promises. There's blood that flows from Calvary. And says I don't have to go back. Go ahead. Claim the promises. Go ahead. Get in the river. Go ahead. Release it. Open your mouth and release the promises of God. Go ahead. Release the promises. Go ahead. Release the promises. Go ahead. Release the promises of God. Go ahead. Go ahead. God is for you. Go ahead. The promises are yes and amen. God's going to do it. God's going to do it. God's going to do <inaudible> it. I speak victory.